and welcome to episode 37 of the Radical English Gentleman podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. We have a lot to get into, but if you're new to the podcast, first time seeing me on your screen or just the show in general, my name is Roy Jacobs, host of this podcast. This is a UK-based libertarian podcast where I talk about the real issues. I get guests on. Usually I've guests shoot the shit in my garage, usually get on the piss as well sometimes when doing it but yeah thanks so much for joining me here there is so much to get into so much has been happening boris is officially gone liz is here you know there's cost of lockdown crisis happening a lot of stuff's happening in america so so much is happening but again if this is the first time seeing me we cover freedom issues you know things to do with what the hell is happening to your freedom how are the government taking them away and also real issues like the cost of lockdown crisis, which is going on right now. And I will say cost of lockdown crisis. Obviously, it's not all down to lockdown. But the reason I'm saying that is because no no one's acting like it is to do with lockdown. Everyone's like cost of living crisis. And it's cost of lockdown crisis. Because, you know, you, you pay people not to work for ages. You spend billions on multiple things. You see the impact. But anyway, there is so, so much to get into. So the first thing I want to start off with is a article by The Telegraph which is named Only Now Are the Crippling Costs of Lockdown Becoming Fully Apparent. So the economic harms of these policies have caused may be even worse than the financial crisis. So this from The Telegraph, the economic news grows worse by the day and it's pretty obvious why. Sadly, the pandemic didn't end with the success of the government's vaccine rollout program. Only now is the full horror story of the disease debilitating after the effects beginning to become apparent. Even at the time, nobody thought lockdown would be cost-free. Rishi Sunak, then the Chancellor, always said there'd be a price to pay for furlough and the plethora of other interventions deemed necessary to support the government's social distancing instructions. But lockdowns were sold as just temporary hiatus, a bit like an induced coma with the economic economy returned to normal substantially under damage by its sudden stop as soon as public health emergency was over. This has turned out to be very far from the case. The economic harm these policies have caused, never mind their wider impact on health education in general, may be, be where general well-being may even turn out to be of worse than the financial crisis which precedes a long decade of put pause in living standards last week we had shocking news that the health conditions left undiagnosed untreated while the nhs concentrated on the pandemic together no doubt with today's virtual breakdown of ambulance services are now killing more people per week than covid did given that effect covid was to bring deaths forward from the future that you would expect now that it is over to see a period where mortality is lower than usual instead it continues to be much higher than many feared at the time. The effect of lockdown has created ongoing health crisis long after its in- immediate demands were lifted. So pretty much it's just talking about the kind of the absolute catastrophe lockdown was having on so, so, so much, so much, not even economically, well, technically it's economic, but just the NHS in general. Like when you look at the NHS in absolute turmoil and lockdown caused a lot of that, you know, um like when covid was the only thing we were focusing on other things went down and that that, you can't deny that you know when you look at the i don't want to say it i'm not going to say the word but measles v 
I was saying vaccination rates for measles drastically down. You look at the US, look at all around the world, things like polio. Vaccination rates are down drastically. So just a perfect example, the amount of deaths from people not taking vaccines for those for certain things will mean that it will actually damage more people than COVID would naturally, if you know what I mean. So more people die from not taking those vaccines than COVID would kill naturally. So it's it's just a very, very simple example of just the atrocities which have happened. And it's not like this was unexpected or like, oh, we have only finding out now that lockdown was devastating. Not true at all. People knew right from the beginning. The Great Branson Declaration outlined it right from right at the beginning saying you know this the the negatives far away the benefits completely and we're seeing it we're seeing it right here so much the same can be said about the wider economy which is completely discombobulated by months of enforced closure it is admittedly quite hard to dis to send to these effects from the consequences of Vladimir Putin's murderous invasion of Ukraine which is plainly the main cause of the surge in energy costs and the resulting of the cost of living squeeze yet so much as they see of trouble seemingly pushing in all sides have originally deep in the global response to pandemic be it surging inflation a grown wave of industrial action ruinous public debt looming recessions damaged education or public broken services so it, it just talks about um labor supply like supply chain issues so Crucially, it substantially damaged the supply side of the economy so that when the demand came racing back, there was sufficient insufficient capacity to cope with labour shortages and supply chains fed quickly into the economy awash and newly printed central bank money. As we know now, excessive mon- mon- yeah, monetary accommodation was another major mistake that if significantly added to the inflationary pressures. So it's a bit of a mouthful um, what it goes to talk about. Great article though. And it, it just goes into depth about how the hell COVID has caused such a crisis. You know, a, a great example I always bring up is the chip shortage to do with cars. You know, you look at cars, electric cars, due to lockdown, the supply chain issues for them. So now every single EV maker, may that be Xpeng, Alibaba, Tesla, Neo, have all had to raise their prices, all because of lockdown. Just just a great example. And there's so many other products because of supply chain issues that have had to do the exact same thing as well. So it's just it like it is a great example, but you know that people got to be honest. But the, the thing you got to understand is the same people who push for lockdown are not going to call it a cost of lockdown crisis. They're gonna that why the hell would they talk about the impacts of lockdown being in some part while we're at this state when they were the ones who pushed for it? They're not. So so that's why you got to be wary of the newspapers doing it because the newspapers which push for lockdown are not going to be the same ones who go oh lockdown was atrocious for the economy and everything are they you know but the newspapers like telegraph which were anti-locked not fully but had a diverse range of views are going to be diff- different so you got to really keep that in mind and so so going on to this oh here we go so th- this is what i want to talk about as well so list trusses audio got leaked to first saying this and i actually want to play this i'm just gonna can you hear it let me just go back see if you can hear it here we go basically british british workers i once wrote a book about this which got mischaracterized but British workers um, produce less per hour than 
And that's a combination of kind of skill and application. Yeah. And you know, the, there's a... And it's very, if you look at productivity, it's very, very different in London from the rest of the country. But basically... No, because this has been a historical fact for decades. Yeah. Essentially, it's partly a sort of mindset and attitude thing. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's working culture, basically. If you go to China, it's quite different, I can assure you. There's a fundamental issue of British working culture. And it's not... Essentially, if we're going to be a richer country and a more prosperous country, that needs to change, but I don't think people are that keen to change that. So I think there's a slight, there's a slight thing in Britain about wanting the easy answers, and I think that's, you know, that's my reflection on the election and what's gone before it. And the referendum, it's like we say it's all Europe that's causing us all these problems. It's all these migrants that yeah. causing these problems. And actually, what needs to happen is, you know, a bit more. Uh, Right, so that was Liz Trust basically saying, you know, immigrants aren't the problem, there's a massive disparity within work ethic and almost the entitlement of individuals based on their geopolitical location and that, you know, the productivity rate of people in the UK is different from people in places like China. And I think it was just so reasonable what she's saying. Like, I've actually been talking about that for, sorry, I'm burping a bit, for actually, like, quite a while. And I think she's, people don't want to hear it, but, you know, people here are very entitled. People want certain things that other places they they don't have, you know. Here we expect certain things to happen, even in, you know, lower-end jobs. And what what she's kind of saying is, you know, She's actually saying the polar opposite of what people accuse her of, of which being a racist. She's actually saying, you know, um, immigrants aren't the problem. They actually have the best work ethic out of anyone. And because they have a higher productivity rate um, and they have a different meaning of like work. And I think she's spot on. I really do. I'm Like, I don't think people here are lazy. But, you know, when you look at us compared to other countries, I think... People go, oh, what about like France and that? Yeah, yeah, there is difference, um, but you know, I think that you are being a bit dishonest if you're saying she doesn't have a point. I, I think she does have a point. I think people here are a lot more entitled. You know, I'm certainly very entitled. You know, living here, I expect certain things. I expect lit- electricity. I expect, um, you know, a certain amount of money. Um, but then other places, you know, there's a thing called nine to nine in China where you literally wake up at nine, you finish work at nine, and that's kind of the average. Um, and, you know, it's just a completely different mindset. And she just outlines that, and people went apeshit over that. Um, and I thought it was completely ridiculous that people went crazy over that. Like, maybe not the best phrase, more graft or whatever, but you know, she's definitely got a point, and to say she doesn't, I don't know really what you're saying, maybe you're saying, you know, that's not to say that there shouldn't be some government support, 100% there should be, but to act like somehow there's a different productivity rate between here and other countries, is ju- you're just lying to yourself, you re- you just are, like, you know, James O'Brien at LBC could talk about, oh, like, 
you know, she's disgraceful in us, whatever. Like when people say she's insulting the British people, whatever. And then all it's ironic because all of a sudden you got a bunch of like more left leaning people defend talking about the British people and you know why is she insulting us and stuff like this. And it's it's so ironic because it's like it's flipping it on its heads of her being some sort of lunatic racist. And then you, you see what I mean? It's a very interesting dynamic. Um, but I, I thought it was fascinating. People freaking out over that. Um, and you know the Guardian done a massive hit piece on her. But I, my view on this trust becoming like prime minister i'm actually even though i'm not a fan of her um there's i for many more people like i'm a fan of steve baker um kemi badnock i'm a fan of you know there, there are a lot better candidates 100 percent than fucking Liz trust but you know what she does seem all right like when it comes to economic policy i'm actually on the same page as her f- f- a lot you know i've really have changed so much so just talking about one of her plans because there is an absolute energy crisis and coming in to october it is going to get hellish you know you've got places in italy already using candles because prices are so high you know you've got inflation here where i think i saw forecasts of 20 percent. i don't know if that is true um but you know if that is the case that is absolutely nuts and it needs to be tackled with instantly so what she's saying is Liz Truss is said to be strongly considering freezing energy bills in response to spiraling prices if she enters number 10 this week. So she has entered number 10. I wonder if she will. So the Foreign Secretary, who is widely tipped to win the Conservative Leadership Contest, she has, has highlighted tax cuts as a first priority. And she has got a lot of criticism for that because she's saying that will inc- like increase inflation. But I think right now, you kind of just got to give people money, really. Even if it does cause inflation, I think... And also, it's a lot of what she is saying is kind of temporary as well. So it's like, I mean, you, you temporary tax cuts. I don't know. I don't even know if she wants temporary tax cuts. I'm not sure. But um, yeah. So throughout her campaign, she remains tight on the lip on whether she would introduce a package to support households who face an 80% rise in energy costs from October. So 80% is absolutely insane. So what is actually being considered? So according to reports. Some other price freezes are considered, which would be preventing household bills rise beyond a certain level. So what it's pretty much doing is, is freezing energy companies to actually increase prices. Um, I think it's for the next six months. And what this will do, it will like, cap it at a certain like, amount, meaning that it can't get too hellish. Um, so under Labour, Labour's plan at a cost of around £30 billion, the government would guarantee loans up to energy companies for six months, allowing them to keep bills frozen at just under 2000 the scheme would be part funded by a stringent windfall tax on energy giants which would be backed backdated to january excluding current tax breaks the times reported mrs trust package could be on the scale of the furlough scheme introduced by then the chancellor richie sunak when the covid19 pandemic struck while the telegraph suggested specifics on the policy are still being debated she is likely to be keen to avoid any packages resembling labors too closely or may face criticism Definitely, a senior government told the Times that the package could cost at least six nine billion. While Miss Trust herself did not deny the Sunday that the price of the scheme could breach hundred billion. So it's like a lot of action does need to be taken because we are going into just an absolutely crazy time where it's like energy prices are just going to be absolutely nuts. Um, 
And, you know, it, it's crazy what is happening. And I've heard that, you know, next year it's going to be the food. That's what's going to hit hard. So right now we got energy, you know, we got a lot going on with like petrol and like a lot of things. But once, you know, next year hits, I think the big thing is going to be like, like inflation within food, you know, um, we're going to, and we're already seeing that now because people, I think, don't realize about the Ukraine situation with like the harvest and the crop yield and places around the world as well, you know, places in Holland having cattle and like farmers having nitro, eh, like carbon emissions being, eh, being forced to let go of certain parts of their farm to care for climate change. So there's, there's a lot going on, but um, could it work? Progressive think tank, the Institute for Public Research, the IPPR, said a price cap freeze would save millions of people from debt and also fight inflation. Luke Murphy, Associate Director for Climate and Energy, said these proposals would prevent soaring energy bills from pushing millions of debt and the destitution and hold down rising inflation, which would risk the UK's economic stability. So it looks like if she does do it, it will be pretty popular and i think she should do it even though i'm not a fan of um i'm a lot more right-wing when it comes to economics i think the current state is this could just kind of be a way out i think for like a lot a lot of the problems and just give a bit of stability to people who are just in absolute crisis so liz trust has vowed britain will ride out the storm as a new new uk prime minister began confronting an economic crisis with an energy bill bailed out for families and businesses that could cost more than 150 billion trust um and basically it's just more about the specifics of what she's doing trust allies suggest the household package would cost 90 billion with an estimated 40 to 60 billion to the business element with it still being finalized over two years um and it just goes on talking about this trust but anyway my my view on this trust i think i think it's a good thing you know boris is gone because i'm not a fan of boris i'm really not and i think it's going to be a good thing that she's there because you know i think for a start it can't be worse than boris and also um in all amazement i actually do kind of like what she's saying you know tax cuts deregulation sort out the current crisis very pro-business i like a lot of what she's saying i really do um and while a lot of people hate her which i think is very unfair when she hasn't even really i mean she hasn't done anything yet uh, <laughs> Like, I think that is unfair because I think she is a bit of a Margaret Thatcher bumlick. Um, personally, I wouldn't vote for her. No way. Because um, she's way too hawkish when it comes to Ukraine, when it comes to war. When it, I haven't heard her talking about, you know, any drastic reform to counter things of authoritarianism to do with lockdown. Um, you know, she wants to increase the military budget. I think that's ridiculous. Um you know, there's a lot of things I think are just stupid, but I'm a libertarian and a lot of our economic policies, I think, are, I think really good. So I've, I'm excited to see what happens really. I'm going to follow it quite closely because first time being really politically engaged, I think. Well, not really. I'm quite politically engaged um, going into it. So it should be interesting to see actually like what happens, what the fuck does she do. And for me, it's a big thing about lockdown. You know, Rishi's like, oh, I didn't actually think lockdown was a good idea. And it's like, why the fuck didn't you say anything, cunt, you know? Um, and like, it all boils down to COVID for me because I think the next thing that's coming is climate lockdowns. And um, next episode, I might do something on that as well. But um, moving on to the Donald, the Donald. <laughs> so 
The FBI have recovered a document describing a foreign government's nuclear capabilities during its search of Mar-a-Lago, the Washington Post reported on Tuesday. So the Post, citing unnamed sources, did not identify the foreign government name in the document describing the country's military defences. Now, please fuck say this isn't Saudi Arabia, because if it is, the conspiracy theories around it were right. The content of more than 11,000 government documents and the photographs of FBI agents against Donald Trump's Florida state last month did not reveal, but previously reporting the Post indicated that classified documents about nuclear weapons were among the items that the federal authorities were looking for. Some of the records seized from Donald Trump's Florida state are typically close guarded, the newspaper reporting, and have designated control to monitor the document documents location among the records recovered by the fbi were documents de- detailing top secret U- u.s operations and s- special clearances on need to know basis beyond a top secret clearance according to the post report some of the Biden administration's most senior national security officials were not authorized to view some of the documents because they are also so restricted the post said Trump is under investigation by the Justice Department for his unauthorized removal of sensitive government records from White House and alleged uh, improperly storing them at Mar-a-Lago. These findings, the findings are the last latest, sorry, I'm so shit at reading, it's so ironic me reading, fucking hell. the latest twist in a two-week-long saga that the began when the U.S. government agents conducted an unprecedented search of the former President Florida's Trump home, and a federal judge recently granted Trump's request for the appointment of special master to review the documents seized by Mar-a-Lago on 8th of August. Decision by Judge. Eleni Cannon, a Trump appointee, temporarily prevented the Justice Department from reviewing its records for crim- criminal inquiry until after the special master's review. So it pretty much is saying that there is actually something there. Now I know there was reports saying there was nothing there, but this is pretty. The, according to the Washington Post, who knows how credible it is? There is something there, you know. And I've seen reports that there isn't, um, but you know, it seems like. He has pretty classified documents when the current administration can't even access them. So if Donald Trump does have documents which the Biden administration can't even access legally and Donald Trump is hiding them, he was hiding them, then, you know, he should be he should have repercussions for that. I don't think that's unreasonable at all. I really, really don't. And it come it's kind of goes to show like it wasn't complete nonsense. The FBI raid there were like they they warned him and they went in and moving on to the next story which is donald trump is reportedly thinks that ron DeSantis is stealing his speaking style and mannerisms so this is a fascinating one because donald trump and ron DeSantis are in an interesting time right now because you've got ron DeSantis, who obviously is probably going to be the next president in 2024 trump's getting angry with him and it's a it's an interesting one because well, first start, he's, he's fair enough to get angry at him because he actually he impersonates him so much. He does the hand, excuse me, excuse me, or, you know, he does the whole, excuse, like, he, he points like that kind of thing. Go on, like that. You know, he's got the same persona when he talks to media. He's got the same kind of red tie, the way he stands, his hand gestures, his bombastic um, way of talking, his rebuttals to things, like say it's not similar it's quite stupid um and 
you know, it's, it's interesting what's going to actually happen with Trump because he's a narcissist. How can he handle Ron DeSantis kind of impro- encroaching on his territory? And it's it's a difficult one because everyone who likes Ron DeSantis... Oh, sorry. A lot of people who like Ron DeSantis... Sorry, not everyone. I personally like Ron DeSantis and I hate Trump. Um, tend to like Trump. So it's like if Trump goes too hard for Ron DeSantis, he's going to potentially... But then... I, I f- mm. He's going to potentially put off a lot of, you know, Trump supporters because they'll be like, hang on, I really like Ron DeSantis. Why are you going over after him? However, maybe they're like, hmm, we know he's a narcissist. We can put up with it because Trump supporters, for the most part, do put up with quite a lot, I think. If you still like Trump at this stage, you must have put up with quite a lot, you know, January 6th and everything. Um, and you know, what the hell's going to happen? Because if there's a primary, how is it going to work? Ron DeSantis has been sneaking in the corner, not saying anything about Trump. Trump's been having, you know, digs at him. I think Ron DeSantis is just waiting for for the downfall of Trump. And to be honest, I don't think it's ever going to happen, the downfall of Trump. It's going to, he's always going to have his 30% cult with him who will do or die. Trump could shoot someone and he'd still have these 30% with him. Um, but the question is like, how will it work? Trump attacking Ron DeSantis like this all the time because he's got a point. He is stealing him, and I wonder what's going to happen because if Ron DeSantis, all his fans tend to be MAGA supporters. So how is it going to work in a primary where they those two are going face to face? Is Ron DeSantis going to insult Trump? And then what's going to happen with the people who like Trump but also like DeSantis? Are they, are they going to then say, "Oh, fair enough," or are they going to be, "Oh, wait, why are you, why are you like attacking Trump?" And then Trump's going to gain more popularity, or is it going to be the opposite? Ron DeSantis will gain more popularity from that. You know, it's it's so difficult. But um, while Florida Gov Ron DeSantis has made a national name for himself by taking the cues from Donald Trump, there's at least one person who isn't happy about the comparison and that's trump himself that's according to rolling stone which cites three people who have spoken to a 76 year old former president in recent months and reported that trump believes the government is stealing his mannerisms such as hand gestures and body language there was a time maybe a year ago that i remember making fun of DeSantis for doing similar hand gestures and motions one source told the outlet he called it stealing from him and to to paraphrase described it as a lame impression of trump rolling stones further reports that trump's son donald trump jr believes that the santa's team is turning to his own twitter account for ideas and parroting various social grievances or talking points after seeing them on his account political insider have noticed too that the longtime gop dono dan Bahart telling Rolling Stone, DeSantis certainly mimics Trump's style, rhetoric, and body language. DeSantis' bombastic style seemed to rip straight out of Donald Trump's style guide, and Trump proves that Republican voters want a fighter that DeSantis aims to deliver. Various reports suggest that Trump is not too happy with the 44-year-old's DeSantis rise on the political scene. So again, what the fuck is going to happen between these two? Because, you know, how is how is that going to work? The kind of dynamic of DeSantis because DeSantis I'm sure is nowhere near even remotely near the narcissism of Donald Trump personally he actually seems like not like not egotistical at all really Ron DeSantis from what I gather um 
But how the hell is Donald Trump going to handle it, you know? I think what might happen is Donald Trump gets so angry at him, people are like, it's better to have a calm guy like Ron DeSantis in, so we'll get Ron DeSantis instead, you know? That, that's a, that, is, that could easily be the case from what actually happens, you know? I wouldn't be surprised if that is the case at all. Like, there's a very good chance that will happen, and it's also interesting to see what will happen in the UK coming up, because... Like, I don't know how... I, I think Liz Truss, there's no way she's winning. They will get in next year, 100%, um, if there is election. And I don't want Keir Starmer in power, but it looks like that that is the case. If Liz Truss stays there, which she almost definitely will, I, can she even be kicked out again? I'm not even sure. Um, Like, no confidence vote. I'm not even sure if that's possible, is it? I mean, I know you have to get a certain amount of MPs, but I don't know if you can just do that again. I'm like, do it now. I'm not sure. Um, but you know, it's it's difficult to see what's going to happen. I'm just hoping, you know, there's lockdowns in China right now. I don't want to say anything too early, but you know, I just hope nothing calls back because something will call back soon enough. That's what people got to remember. You know, the fight for our freedoms is not over. Like things are popping up you got the online safety bill it's got put in the water for a bit which is good um but you know there's a lot of awful things happening which are going under the radar which i'm going to be talking about on this podcast but that is a great way to end it thanks so much for listening to this week's episode i appreciate everyone tuning in really really do it has been a good one getting a interesting episode coming up very soon talking about i, I don't know if i want to kind of reveal it talking about um kind of depression and antidepressants and you know medication and stuff like that so it's going to be an interesting one going to be a really interesting chat i'm really looking forward to making that and also i'm doing one on fitness um health i think that's very important doing one on that i'm like a lot of episodes coming and also a very special guest who i'm hopefully going to be interviewing very soon absolutely buzzing to hopefully get that in the bag very soon but thanks so much for listening absolutely love you thanks so much for tuning in to episode 37 i will catch you next week thursday so scott for episode 38 of the radical english gentleman podcast it's been an absolute pleasure i hope you have enjoyed this one have a great fucking rest of your day and i'll catch you on the next one very soon and peace